Hey everyone, uh, my name is Dan Sullivan. I am the head of partnerships here at QZM. And I wanna first of all, thank you all for, for being here today. Hopefully you're sa safe, you're healthy, you're maybe discovering some new ways to sneak a little bit of enjoyment out of these very individually forgettable, but overall memorable days. To all of you who are first time watchers, welcome. For those who are repeat visitors, I just wanna say thank you again for being here. As many of you know, our team at QZM has really committed to providing as many resources as possible to cultural organizations during these very unusual and strange times. Today, I'm super excited to hear from our panelists, but one thing worth mentioning, one of the best resources, as always, is going to be the group of over 1,000 museum and cultural professionals who are watching us live today. Please utilize the chat functionality, introduce yourself communicate with, an, with one another, take a little bit of time to, to do that. We'll definitely get into some of your questions. Um, typically on a webinar like this, we'll get a number of them, so we won't get to all of them, but use the Q&A functionality if you can to ask your questions. We'll try to get to as many as we possibly can. We're super glad that all of you are here. Thank you again for being here, and I want to wish you all another safe and healthy week. This webinar is part of our Membership Mondays series, a weekly webinar held every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, spotlights membership professionals in the cultural space who are agents of change or transformation in their membership departments, respectively. And we also want people who are responding thoughtfully and creatively during this coronavirus crisis. Membership Mondays tackles a variety of membership-related challenges. For those who missed it last week, we talked about reinforcing the value of membership during coronavirus. We had two awesome guests, Ash Harris from the San Antonio Zoo and Kelly Buckin from the Franklin Institute. And that recording can be found on the QZM website. Two last quick housekeeping items. QZM has two awesome webinars this week, two other awesome webinars this week. This would be the third. First of all, thinking outside the box to reach audiences inside their homes. That is Wednesday at two o'clock Eastern time. And also, as we were talking about before, to provide a little bit more levity for our cultural space, we created a weekly webinar on Friday afternoon called Muse, Zoos, and Clues, a weekly hour of happiness, happenings, and cultural trivia to end your week. Second one is going to be this Friday at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Mark your calendar. Um, link will come shortly. This past Friday was a blast. Please uh, feel free to join us at the next one. Let's get into this. Cultural organizations are continuing to face prolonged physical closures, perhaps for many more weeks or months. Uh, we truly do not know how long this is going to continue. For many organizations who are depending on revenue from on-site purchases like admission tickets or special exhibitions, even gift shop sales, membership departments are one of the only sources of income at the moment. The problem is when one of the primary benefits of membership is an on-site experience, how does a lack thereof affect members and their perceptions of what it means to be a member? How can we expand that member experience in other ways, perhaps through digital offerings or continue to make memberships an appealing option in this time? I'm so excited uh, to welcome two awesome panelists today. We have Jennifer Stone, the membership manager at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science. We also have Chelsea Graham Jackson, the Assistant Director of Membership at the Cleveland Museum of Art. Welcome to both of you, and thank you for being here. Thank you. So, awesome. To kick us off, Chelsea, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the Cleveland Museum of Art, and we'll get started there. Absolutely. I work at the Cleveland Museum of Art. We have an encyclopedic art collection 
And I've been in membership for almost seven years. This year, I work primarily with our general level of membership, which make up about 23,000 out of 26,000 of our households. Awesome. Jennifer? Hi, I manage our general membership program at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science. I've been there about seven years. Right now, we have about 57,000 member households, and we are all figuring this out uh, <laughs> just, just like you all are. Absolutely. And again, as with all of our webinars, nobody claims to have all the answers, but we're here as a community to try to think of creative, innovative, different ways to tackle these challenges. As a starting point, what does the member experience typically look like at your individual organizations? Jennifer, can you start us off with that? Sure. Typically, we see our members visit us three to four times a year. And we have about 15 uh, members only evening events, as well as uh, temporary exhibition member preview days. Spring break is our busiest and biggest time just across the board for the museum, whether that's membership sales, membership attendance, attendance period. And as with all of us, we've just missed that. Some other things, we have a a really great summer camp program and those sell out in about a day. And those are basically consist of our members' kids. We're figuring out now what that's going to look like, but that's another big big engagement for our members. And they also have a benefit of being the first to register for those. Those are some things also that we're navigating. We have canceled one member event. At this point, we were going to have one um, last week. That was canceled. It was a member evening. And now we're just really gearing up on what those temporary exhibits that are coming this summer what that's going to look like, again, because we, we do have special uh, members-only evenings and preview days for those. So that's what we're trying to work on right now. Awesome. Thank you. And Chelsea, how about yours? Yes, we have, like I said earlier, we have three categories of membership. I deal with general membership, and then we have the like higher-level giving categories of CMA Insider and Leadership Circle. Those are 250-plus At the general levels, I would say very much so since we are a free museum, we are very exhibition-based. A lot of our members join around the different blockbuster exhibitions, and those are also a huge driver for us since we do have free admission. That's probably the main member benefit, especially at those general levels. Since we're no longer on site and have nothing at this point through June 30th, this is really navigating our biggest benefit for those general levels and even at the upper levels, that's where you get into like curator access and peer-to-peer events as well. We know those have been canceled through June 30th. Um, A little bit different than Jennifer, our biggest time is typically during holidays, but still summer is still a big time for us too. Awesome. No, looking forward to digging into some of those ideas that you just mentioned. So one thing that I think would be just a good for frame of reference is, can you talk, Chelsea, as a starting point, can you talk a little bit about some of the steps that the Cleveland Museum of Art took in preparation for coronavirus's impact and before this hit, but also how have you responded? Sure. I can't, I don't know that I can speak as much to the preparations because I will say, I feel like it all really happened so fast within that week of what was it like March um, 9th through the 13th, everybody was just swirling and it was different every day. Right. I don't know that I was involved in many of the preparations for the coronavirus and, and for us closing, but I will say in response to that was 
but definitely learning to work together, not when you're in the cubes and you can see everybody at a moment's notice. But then also too, is like really utilizing the different departments and what they can be used for. I think everybody's job shifted in some ways as we shift to working from home. Some of the duties that I had every day, of course, are no longer applicable. I think just working together as a division and really with all these different departments and trying to figure out, okay, who has um, you know, the bandwidth to do X, Y, or Z. I think that everyone can reevaluate who has time to do what. Everybody should be helping with social media right now because those, bless those managers, they are really taking a hit. I think it's reallocating and trying to figure out how to best utilize all of our workers that are still with us. Sure. And Jennifer, how about at uh, the Denver Museum of Nature and Science? Well, I completely agree with everything that Chelsea said. Absolutely. Um, on the preparation side, it all happened so quickly. We closed Friday, March 13th at five. All of that that's happening, my gosh, our technology team trying to get everybody on Zoom. We also use Teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who uses Teams, but that is so very helpful. But in preparation and other beyond the technology, some things that to prepare for impacts of coronavirus. We've certainly looked at our membership expense budget, done some eliminating, really scaled back as much as possible. There's some things that we're trying to figure out if, if we can move forward with, and one of those is the possibility of no longer issuing plastic membership cards. Um, we have an e-card, which we love and we're so proud of, and many members utilize the e-card, but just thinking about the cost to order those plastic cards, that's something that we're exploring about. Can we do without that? And another thing is that we are not going to print the summer issue of our member magazine. Those are some of the things that, again, in trying to prepare for the impacts of this, that those are some things we're looking at now. And then things that we're doing for our members in response is we're so lucky to have such a great pan-institutional team who came together so quickly, again, with our technology team, our educators to start preparing. And then for those of us who can disseminate uh, digital content, and we're making that members first, exclusive member content that we uh, send out every Monday. We are communicating with our members out, um, every week. And every Monday, we are sending things out that they have access to first, things that um, are experiments, things that they can do just to have fun or a uh, pepper dissection. And then we're also lucky that we can offer a live program. We send out the email on Mondays and we have a live program in the evenings on Wednesday. Those are free to members. We do ask that they RSVP, but it is a very, very large Zoom meeting. And we're just so grateful to our huge team who's able to provide us with this content that that's the big offering that we can do right now is member exclusive uh, digital content right now. That's great. Yeah, we've actually, we've had a lot of people, one of the things that QZM does is digital membership cards. And right now, I think you're in a similar situation. Some people, A, left the office thinking they were going to come back the next day or on Monday, and they haven't been back since. And this DIY membership fulfillment has been more challenging than anticipated. We've had a lot of folks that have approached us about making that switch to digital. And just looking at some of the questions, one of the big things, and, and you likely do this, Jennifer, I'd be interested to hear how, how you've handled it. A lot of organizations, we typically will advise, if they're going to be leading with a, a digital card or at least offering a digital card, 
it's worth giving the option of getting a physical card or having an option of a physical card, which people can opt into and maybe pick up the next time they're on site. I saw some folks were asking about that in the comments, especially right now where you're trying to communicate with your members in new ways. And also you probably didn't bring your card printer home or you know, there's just a lot of the impetus for digital is, is fairly strong right now. But another question too, how has coronavirus changed or challenged the previous status quo of your member experience? Chelsea, do you want to start with that one? Like I said earlier, our members are typically exhibition-based. And while our members don't quite visit as many times as maybe those members to general admission facilities, they do still join back around exhibition time and whatnot. And although we're not in this place that they're used to, I do think, and I think it's actually been mentioned on a webinar here before, I think it's a great time to evaluate your messaging. And for us as a free museum, I think um, we've always have that thought that we need to incorporate that philanthropic messaging and that your gift is just as valuable to us as it is to you. And I think really honing in on that messaging too. In addition, though, we're looking at all kinds of ways to, even though they won't be the status quo, these are new benefits um, of membership that are, like Jennifer said, we're also doing the exclusive content. We send it out on Mondays and it's publicized Tuesdays. We're still trying to give that first look that we always give to our members. And I think it's going to continue to change. I think it's evolving as we talk about it too. I'm probably going to get ideas from this webinar, which is great. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. And Jennifer, how about, how about on your side? How have you think, kind of seen that change? I completely agree also with Chelsea. Moving forward, and I think we'll probably end up talking about this maybe later today, is that maybe we're all going to adjust or enhance our member benefits offerings and we're going to really go digital big because that's what we're doing now. I think we've all talked about, I know that we have at my museum, we've talked about what does that look like down the road? Well, now it's, we're down the road. <laughs> and yeah, the, the road uh, is here. Yeah, offering, we're on the road. <laughs> um, ex exclusive, yes, to offer exclusive digital content to members only um, that they only have access to or in some outlet, however that looks, but that's really a benefit and another benefit on, on their list. And I think for all of us who were dreaming of that again, somewhere down the road, it's here now. And so I'm excited uh, to hear from all of our peers about what we're going to do with that. Absolutely. What are some ways that members can experience the benefits of being a member um, besides the admissions aspects at your respective organizations? Jennifer, do you want to start with that? Sure. Well, just engaging with us virtually, digitally, these live programs that we have uh, weekly for our members, um, but also our website and our social, our social media geniuses are doing so much. Now, almost um, every parent has now all of a sudden become a school teacher. And we have some great resources for professional teachers of course, but we will absolutely make that available to our now parent teachers. We also have a members only exclusive um, page through our members online account. They do have to log in in order to get to a particular section of our, what we call our web store that has uh, members only um, content. And it's a, a full list of, of all of those experiments and, and activities that we send out every week that's where we're keeping them. And again, only members can access that. 
one question that we consistently get, and, and I think the, the community would be interested to hear from both of you on this. Mary Carlson asks, have you been extending member expiration dates? And if so, how have you gone about that? That is the question. The question of the year, right? I think everybody's got that question right now. <laughs> at least for us at this time, we are using it much in the way that like Ingrid at Dallas is using it as an offer to stimulate activity right now. We're still mailing our renewal reminders as we would usually, but we are extending an offer to those who are renewing right now. Um, still up in the air as to whether that will be extended to all of our membership base. I think a lot of our, our boards, our finance offices are looking at the implications of that. What are the implications of shifting all your expected revenues? Then when you do reopen, you also don't have that coming in. That's how we're using it right now. My opinion on the subject changes. It depends on who I'm talking to. So TBD on that, but that's what we're doing right now at CMA. Awesome. Jennifer, do you want to uh, throw anything in there? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say for a while, this changed weekly for us, but like Cleveland Museum of Art, we are sending out our renewals. We work with a mail house. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still functioning. We're able to send out our direct mail uh, renewal letters as well as our e-renewals. In that, I'm going to read you <laughs> this these two sentences that we worked on probably for five days or something. <laughs> this is our statement, is once we're able to reopen the museum, we will work with you to offer you options regarding your membership expiration date. Many of our members have kindly expressed that they would like to support us during this time and are waiving any... That's, that's awesome. That's, that's, I that's, love that. <laughs> Taking yeah. note now, actually. <laughs> that's really great. That's great. Another question, what role does community, as in your, your member community, play when it comes to establishing value of a membership? This is a question that we like to ask. We've seen some museums exploring possibilities of in, introducing things like member Facebook groups or Zoom meetups or things along those lines. What do you think about ideas like these? Are you doing anything along those lines? We'd love to hear your thoughts. We are not doing anything like this currently, but it's definitely something we're considering. Forgive me if I am misstating this, but I think it might have been maybe Brooklyn or somewhere did a virtual member party and they did it. It was like an open house that had instructions on different art making things you could do, like a drink, cocktail recipe, all these different aspects, right, of a member's party that we've all thrown. I really love that idea. I think this is something that we have been working towards at CMA, especially for general level members, because a lot of them join around an exhibition or something. They don't always join for the same reasons that those at higher levels, those are definitely more community-based. For us, I think that's been like we're reinstituting member parties where all levels are invited. And then all of this happens where I think this idea of like a virtual members party, different things are, are fun. I don't know if we're considering the member Facebook group. I think it's a great idea. I'm just not sure if it would work for us, but I do love the idea. It's fun. And, and I think you're seeing it everywhere. Like right. um, my wife and I have a 15 month old and we had a Zoom meetup with all of the other kids from daycare <laughs> the other day, which is just like a fun like thing. But I, I think the, the takeaway from that is they really are focused on making sure that community stays strong mm-hmm. and, and we're able to really keep that line of communication open. Jennifer, do you want to throw anything in there? Yeah, I would, I would love to see a member's Facebook group. I think that would be a lot of fun. And also, Chelsea, thinking about a virtual member party, 
I love that idea. I know uh, my coworker, Adam, he manages our young professional membership program. And we talked about what QZM's doing on Fridays is some type of a, mm-hmm. a virtual happy hour. Yeah. I would love to see those things again as Absolutely. we're off 1,000 different things every single day. I think that would be a lot of fun. But see, and one of the things too, we're grateful for our members who are just posting on our website. We're getting some very nice feedback, some thank yous. They're showing that they're supporting us. That's a lot of fun. But I would love to see if we could go deeper with that to where it is really something that really our members coming together. That's awesome. One thing I always like to ask this question, I think I'm a firm believer that you can learn more from failure than you can from success. Curious to know, is there anything that has not worked? I I really believe that we can learn more from those mistakes. Love to hear if you've tried anything that just like totally fell flat or was not well received. Don't want to drudge up any painful memories or anything, but uh, I'd love to hear anything that just didn't really work. We have one. Actually, it's not something we tried. It was timing. And again, I, like I said, we closed on Friday, March 13th and had a whole list schedule of things that were going to go out on social media. And one of them that did go out on social media, it was a post for a program called Refund Colorado that lets people who get a state income tax return or re- when they're getting a refund from the state this year, they could donate it to our museum as well as other Colorado nonprofits. It was just scheduled to go out and Again, things were happening so fast. It came down as soon as possible, um, but we did receive some some negative feedback about that. And and just going forward, again, my, my coworker, Adam, works on our annual fund, and we have some really beautifully crafted appeals that are going out right now. I think all of us, too, know to be as sensitive as possible when we're asking at a time like this. Again, the thing with the Refund Colorado, that was basically an accident. We can ask in a very different and thoughtful, um, strategic way. Awesome. Chelsea, you want to uh, jump in there? You no, know, I don't know if I have any like actual, like failure, especially like from coronavirus. I mean, there's a couple in my career that I'm sure at times it's like, Ooh, don't want to talk about that. I think one of the things has been even standard, even when we're in the office, I felt like this was an ongoing issue, making sure that the other departments are still on board with saving content for members only and making sure that membership has a voice. And I think sometimes there are almost more levels of command in this work from home strategy, but at the same time, they're also like, I'm not getting copied on emails that I maybe would have because I'm not in meetings with anyone. I think it's just been navigating that and making sure that everybody's still on board with our priorities. And that, Dan, like you said, membership is one of the only revenue streams right now. It's definitely still important. Making sure everyone's still on board with that, I think, has been something we're dealing with, too. Absolutely. Last week, one of our guests, Kelly Buckin from the Franklin Institute, she talked about the benefits of a hybrid membership model going forward. The idea is that moving into the future, memberships may encompass both benefits like free on-site admission to your organization, as well as some types of digital access. What do you think about that kind of hybrid model? Is that something you've explored, talked about? Any ideas there? Absolutely. I think we'd all be crazy not to. I think this doesn't all go back to normal as soon as we reopen. We haven't you know, made any specific announcements or anything at CMA, but there are things being looked at, how long are we going to be working under these stipulations of having smaller groups? And then 
once we reopen, are we going right back into another flu season? We all have to think about these things and, and the demographics of our members, quite honestly, some of them are older and I don't know that they'll feel comfortable with coming to as many events or Another thing that we're looking at is exhibitions are going to look a lot different and attendance goals are going to look a lot different. And perhaps that benefit of a member presale that we have right now is going to become a whole lot more popular and a lot more attractive in this age. We're definitely thinking about that, about how to continue to offer these things. Because also when we reopen some of these great things like the weekly exclusive content, I don't think that should go away. That's something great. I would love to keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And Jennifer, any thoughts on that? Uh, absolutely. Like I said earlier, I think we've been thinking about that hybrid or that much deeper type of membership as the benefit that digital access. And like I said, it's, it's now. And also with exactly what we're doing right now on a weekly basis, I think we will definitely see people wanting that to continue after, <laughs> after we are actually able to be back together in person. So. Absolutely. One, one question, and we've got so many questions in the Q&A. Again, we're going to try to get to as many as we can. This one's from Christina Holt. What core items are you highlighting in your renewal messaging? Is there anything special that you're offering for the future? Jennifer, do you want to start with that one? Yeah, well, uh, during this time, we are very clear in our first paragraph that although we are closed at this time, we remain committed to science and curiosity, and it's our community and our members who make this possible for us. We are absolutely being very honest and upfront. We do the statement about upon reopening, we will assess, we'll work with you on your expiration date. But then highlighting, we do have our temporary exhibits that are, that are going to happen. We have one coming in June, one in October. We also have some things um, happening that have been on the calendar for a couple of years now is we have closed our space gallery and it is undergoing an amazing transformation and it will be finished in November, we hope. And of course, we will have member exclusive access to that new space, which is going to be a lot of fun. And then we are highlighting the, this during this time, this exclusive member digital content that they will receive every Monday. So they're still connected. They can still engage in these live programs with us and, and be on this huge Zoom call and be able to um, ask our scientists or our presenters questions. We're definitely shouting that out. Absolutely. That's awesome. And Chelsea, how about on your side? Uh, yeah, a lot of the same. Our renewal messaging is definitely we are closed until further notice. And um, highlighting right now our offer of the three extra months of membership. And then really just highlighting the digital initiatives that we're taking on right now. In addition to the member exclusive content, we do have a new t great team of our digital team, our marketing and education representatives from all sides that are working together to put together some great content ideas, really pushing them to looking online and looking at all the great things we're doing, not just specific to members, but for everyone. And still, you know, continuing to be that resource. We also last year had our open access initiative where 30,000 of our artworks are now free and available to use online. Really pushing that. That's a great resource for everyone, especially now that everyone is teachers with their kids at home. Absolutely. And, and I think a lot of people have a similar question of nuts and bolts wise, how do we actually facilitate or execute digital content that's for members only? This question is from Teresa Devlin. 
How are you offering digital experiences to members only? How do you limit those experiences to be just for members? And then Abby also dovetails with that. Is there a special login on the website of the museum or are you emailing it to people? Any ways that you'd be able to share how you're doing things like that? Chelsea, do you want to start with that one? Yeah, a lot of ours, we have not actually executed those programs yet, but I know um, that digital and marketing team is really looking at, I think, and Jennifer mentioned this too, um, using Teams, I believe has to have to have an email to sign up. And so that is one way that you could capture some data. I don't know all of the inner workings of that, but I think too that typically we offer, or when we've talked about it, if you're going to do a Zoom or a Teams, hopefully they're not sharing it with their entire contacts list. But at the same time, if they are, we have a few extra viewers. Really, is it that bad? I don't know. I think we all have to like take this time to really evaluate that, but trying to keep it exclusive. Like we said, we're sending the emails on Fridays, it goes public on Tuesdays they could potentially forward it on, but technically they still saw it first. Just working through that. But I, I think we all have to evaluate how much policing we really want to do and how much we can, how many resources we can actually put into that. Or if we just want to let it out there and hope that everyone's being honest. Colleen Dylan Schneider talks about this idea of membership fraud and um, <laughs> how it's actually a fairly expensive misconception. And there certainly are some organizations that are, are hit a lot harder than sure. others, but mm-hmm. um often the uh, amount of effort put into combating membership fraud is contributing far more to a decrease in a positive member experience or visitor experience. When in actuality, the amount of money that's being lost is fairly insignificant by comparison to the number of experiences that are being disrupted. Yeah. Do um, you really need to lock down a Zoom call with five passwords or just have an extra viewer? I don't know. That's how I feel. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Jennifer, did you want to throw anything in there? Yeah, I think that that's, we think about that as well with the Zoom sharing. Those emails that go to to members every Monday, we share about seven unique pieces of content that are exclusive to members. We do have our, what I was saying, our web store. That's where um, that content lives. And so we do ask that our members need to sign in to their account in order to get access to that. It is gated in that way. But back to those seven exclusive items, those are then put out on social media or on our website about a week later. Members are definitely getting it first. They always have access to it in their little portal. But then some of those activities will then be posted on our website or um, through social media. For our live programs that happen every Wednesday evening, we ask our members to please RSVP. They're just RSVPing, it's free, but then we have a roster list that I pull the afternoon on Wednesday. I pull that roster list of everyone who RSVP'd and then email them and then they join us that evening. And I think we went down that road about, oh gosh, are they sharing it with their neighborhood? The feedback that we've gotten is they're, they're just, they're talking about, we're sitting here with our entire family watching this. Please know that there are six people actually in this one house that are watching it. I think, again, we're, we're not going to go chase down them trying to share this with, with their, their neighbor or their friend. I think it's just all for good. That's awesome. And I see a lot of folks are exchanging ideas in the chat. That's great. Our team is going to share a link to a 
a shared resource document that we've put together over the last month or so where folks are um, putting membership extensions and the way that they're handling things, engagement ideas and whatnot. Look for a link in the chat momentarily to that document. We've got a great question. This is from Alicia Anderson. In this time, I love this question. In this time of cutting membership expenses, is there anything that you've chosen to spend money on? Either one of you who wants to jump in first. We are still, like I mentioned earlier, sending our renewal letters. So that's one thing that we are still doing direct mail, still hoping to supplement with as many email renewals as we can, of course, but we are still sending out mail just because we do still get about 30% of our gifts that way. <laughs> we know our members still use that. And I feel like Right now, I think everybody's home, so they probably are getting their mail. Um, I would say that's one thing that we're definitely still spending on. Not that we have planned, well, not that we have acted on this, but one thing that we did when we closed is we asked our tele-renewal company to stop calling at this time. I would love to hear from this group who is still using telemarketing at this time. How is it going? I think that's one of the things that we would consider in this time of trying to cut back on expenses, is that one that actually is necessary and successful? Yeah, we've, we've had some folks, I, I don't recall exactly when, but some had mentioned for smaller membership bases, they're calling members just to say, hey, hope you're mm -hmm. doing well. It's a nice gesture. Obviously, that's not always a scalable option for a membership base of several thousand up to 10, 20, 30, 50,000 households. But definitely I've heard of folks that are, that are picking up the phone and, and, and doing that. Another question, when things return back to normal and we start setting foot back into our museums, our zoos, our aquariums, our gardens, how do you think membership benefits are going to look different at that time? Jennifer, do you want to start with that one? Yeah, sure. I just, I think what we, um, have talked about is just that that digital aspect as an addition to existing benefits. One thing that I know my coworker, all of my coworkers and I are, are working on is, is what are, what will members want? What are our member events going to look like when we have our huge members only open house in July where the whole museum is open. We open our collections. We've got the telescopes out. We offer optional pre-purchase dinner. Are people going to want to eat? Are, are, they, are we going to pre-package food? That's another thing, working with our food services team. What, what is that going to look like? Those social norms that aren't really for many more? Are we going to serve food cafeteria style? What, what are our events going to look like? Or what are those things that we always did in the past? How does that translate into the next several months? And yeah, we're, we're talking about it and trying to work just again, pan institutionally with everybody on how we think this is going to work. And then ultimately we need to hear from our members about what they want, what they need. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. I think I would just echo that. I think we weren't set to, but I think now might also be a great time to survey our members and see what kind of things. I think we always ask this question, but it'd be interesting to see how the answers might change, especially since we aren't open. Members always rate the exhibitions as uh, one of the highest benefits, but maybe that would change. And maybe if we give them some other options, they might speak a little more honestly about it since they're, we know that they're not coming to the museum right now. And I think, yeah, just what we've talked about. I mean, I think just 
I think that a lot of museums will most likely move to this hybrid model, both and I, which I think honestly is, is not the worst idea at all um, that everybody should move towards. I think we're all in this new age where we all have different types of members, some who really enjoy visiting us digitally and some who really want to be at the museum and in their calm space in their favorite gallery. I think it's going to be different, but I, I do think the hybrid model is really the way to go so that you have something, a little bit of something for everyone. Our first Friday happy hours were a huge success, but will we go back to having the first Friday of every month has 3,000 people in the museum? I don't know about that. Finding new ways to engage people and to still make them feel like they're engaging with the community, even in the community of the museum, even when they're at home. Great. So another, another question, this is similar to that, is what do you see in the future as far as membership experience changing at your individual organizations? Obviously, we've all had to adapt fairly quickly here over the last month or so. How do you see some of that change staying around and really becoming part of the fabric of your member experience? Jennifer, do you want to start with that one? Sure. I just keep going back to this, these online digital experiences that uh, I think will, yes, become part of the fabric of membership moving forward in a much deeper way. Another thing that I'm thinking about is uh, another member benefit and something that's really treasured that we've heard from our members is our member magazine. And it's a quarterly magazine. How can we make that as dynamic as possible online? That's one of the things that I'm thinking about definitely right now, but I think it will, it will definitely, it's here to stay. Chelsea. Yeah, I would just echo those thoughts too. I know we're looking at our magazine was actually like still in the works um, prior to closure. So we did not have our, um, I guess it would have been April, May, no, the May, June issue. I don't know that that will go out on time, but we're just, we're still looking at a lot of different things. And I think it's just I do think that the hybrid model is really going to be what we're looking at going forward. And again, we have, like I've said before, the demographics of our membership are not, would not have necessarily catered to that previously, but I think now it's a new time. We're just all trying to figure it all out together and, and maybe even making it approachable for those members um, who aren't as comfortable online. Definitely. This question comes from Bob Hole, and he asks, how are, how are you looking at balancing the cost of retaining members versus regaining them slash attracting new members in a year or two? Or even right now? Yeah. Yeah, Chelsea, why don't you kick okay. that one off? So yeah, I guess I would. that's definitely something that we're looking at. Again, I think there are still a lot of unknowns as far as our exhibition schedule. At this point in time, uh, nothing has been canceled, but obviously things are going to be shifted and we will not be opening some big exhibition next month like we were planning. It's really going to be looking at, I think now too, now that we're giving this extra month offer, it's a good time to look at that, do some testing, see if other messaging works better. Testing is always a thing that I recommend. That's always a great thing um, to do. And now you can start doing some of that And I think, yeah, it's just, it's going to be, I know we're all looking at one year from now, what it's going to look like, because we'll have hopefully a couple months of being back in museums under our belt, but expected revenue is going to be a lot less um, in these months. So yeah, I I don't have any 
suggestions yet, but it's definitely something that we are considering and figuring out how we're going to do that. I think uh, whether that's additional digital ads or I don't know, could be anything. Right. Jennifer? Yeah, talking about temporary exhibitions with every temporary exhibit, we do a direct mail and digital acquisition campaign. We have one that is on hold right now, perhaps two on hold. I, I don't know how that's going to look. Again, these things that we were so systematic in the past, what, what is, what's that going to look like now? I'll tell you, one of the things that we are trying to do actually today, we are reaching out via email through a campaign to our lapsed members, and we are asking them to renew their membership to support us at this time. And by renewing right now, they're supporting us and they will also have access to, again, this exclusive member content while our doors are closed. That's one thing that we've definitely been talking about is reaching back to those who have supported us in the past, for sure. I know the question was more about acquiring new members. I just hope on the other end of this, people want to get out. People want to engage with their cultural organizations and come see new exhibits. I hope that appeal will be there eventually and hope hopefully sooner than later. For sure. Another question that uh, we've got here is, this one's from Justin Martin at the MoCA North Miami. Do you have any worries of alienating older or non-tech savvy members by with all the digital talk and the digital activities? Do you have any concerns about that? And if so, how are you hedging against that? How are you, um, how are you attacking that? Something that we're actually, that is going out soon, is we're reaching out to those members who we don't have an email or they have unsubscribed from our email list since they're not getting anything. We are sending them a direct mail piece, just letting them know that during our closure, direct mail is going to be limited from the museum and that a lot of our things are coming via email. But I think too, it is about finding that happy medium because I know that, like I've said before, our demographic definitely skews older sometimes and and they're not always super comfortable online. We had, we've definitely had um, some troubles when we, switched to Tessitura and everybody had to log in and everybody needed a password and it's like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So we've definitely been dealing with that even before all of this. It is just making it approachable. And that's why I think we're still might take a different form, but looking at still having some sort of mailed magazine or short insert piece that is still something that they receive at home because we know people still want to receive some things at home and not just via email. Jennifer, did you want to contribute anything on that one? Yes. So yes, Chelsea, to all of that. We are also a a project that we have for some volunteers who do some calling for us. One of of those projects during this time is to uh, pull all of those in our database who we don't have email addresses for and reaching out to them, letting them know that there's some great content available to them via email. One thing, one little story to share during our first live program, what was it two weeks ago now? It was called 60 Minutes in Space, which is a planetarium program that we have regularly at the museum every month. And it's held typically at seven at night. This particular member commented on how happy they were because they don't drive at night and they were so happy to be able to have this. Mm. That's, a positive nugget to hold on to. (laughs) 
I know some other things that we've talked about, again, shakes out, not unlike what the grocery stores are doing right now, are senior hours. Mm-hmm. Or are there yeah, t- I think that's a great idea. We've talked yeah, about Yeah, in the morning, that. because they, they seem, they like, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a smaller group of people. I, maybe that is something to explore. Um, but as far as trying to give them access, I think just getting their email, if, if they get on email, we'll get it to them. Even with the Zoom link, I don't think that's super comp. I don't know, maybe that can be complicated for some people, but we're thinking about it. Absolutely. We, we definitely are. Here's another, another good question. This one's from Corinne Rupp. Has, have either of you done any type of member surveys during this time of closure? A lot of folks have viewed this as an opportunity to poll members where their thinking is. Have either of you explored that at all? Not Jennifer currently, like but no. I think it's a great idea. I think I even mentioned this earlier. It's like, yeah, maybe you'd get some different answers than you typically get because you're open. So I think it's a great idea. We typically do ours every other year. So we were not scheduled to do one during this time. But if you have the resources, I think it's a great idea. And actually, I just had the chat open and I saw a, somebody had created a Zoom guide for their members. I think that's a great idea. I just wanted to shout that out. I think that, that's a really cool thing. I think um, a lot of people might benefit from that if you do use that for events and whatnot. Yeah, that is a great idea. And in our emails, we do have a little statement about Zoom and then the link to the Zoom website set up. But yeah, absolutely making sure that they can click on that to get what they need. Just just to throw something actually in there on the Zoom side of things, we, we at QZ and we use Zoom. This is a Zoom uh, webinar and yeah. it's just a super easy platform. Our team is actually going to be publishing a how-to for museums and cultural institutions on how to use Zoom to execute member events and things along those oh, lines, great. similar to what both of you have done. So we'll distribute that after. We've got about five minutes left. We've got a few more questions um, from the audience here. One of them was, how can you show the value in purchasing or renewing a membership when virtual tours and images are available for free to the public, not necessarily for members only. Do either of you have any thoughts on that? Chelsea, do you want to start with that one? Yeah, sure. I think like Jennifer and I have both said, we are still offering an exclusive first look. It's not always going to be only for members, but at least for a few days. But again, like I said earlier too, I think this is a great time to look at your messaging and to really talk about how purchasing or renewing a membership really is supporting the institution mm-hmm. um, and how much that is going to make sure that we're able to open when we are able to open and things like that. So I think it's a really great time to look at messaging coming from a free museum where we really focus on that, or at least try to, I think that's what I'm aiming to do right now is just really honing back in on that messaging for us. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, did you want to contribute anything else on that? Yeah, well, I I just, I totally agree with Chelsea. And like I've said, we have our, our members log in to access that content. And again, they have access to it first for about a week before it is shared more broadly. And not every single thing is that they have access to first will be shared. It's just there, there are some items that, that will be shared more broadly, but they definitely have first access and access to it again for about a week. Another question, just a quick one. What about corporate memberships? Do both of you have corporate memberships? How have those been impacted or any ideas surrounding how those can be approached or doubled down or whatever it may be? 
I know we do have um, a number of corporate partners uh, at CMA. Um, sorry, Leora, I can't really speak to exactly everything that they're doing right now. I think that most, there are several that renew like in June and in the summer. I know that they're probably, they're definitely echoing our membership messaging um, that we're using and how we are using this time to and, but also talking about like our online initiatives, I think that will really be helpful to corporate members, just showing our outreach right now. And hopefully ours just sharing. I think they're also really taking this time to like maintain their relationships, checking in with everyone and making those personal phone calls. Awesome. I have one last question here. So this is, what is one big takeaway that you'd want each person wanting to be able to consider and take from this today and bring back to their respective organizations? Jennifer, do you want to start with that? I thought about this question all weekend. Uh, <laughs> I think practically, as we've talked about all today, if possible, to make um, content exclusive to members, if possible. And philosophically, one thing that I thought would be nice to share, and practically, actually, it is practical as well. Our CEO, George Sparks, encouraged all of us at the museum to keep track of 1,000 positive stories during this time. Whether it's just a thank you, something positive on Facebook, or it's the email the next day after the members exclusive evening program, whether it's us connecting in our museum industry community during this time in maybe a unique way that I don't know that other industries are, doing what we're doing, but also just internally with our staff is I got a sweet Easter card from this coworker. And anyway, on and on and on and on from that, I thought that that's just a really positive thing during this time is to try to keep track of those really great things, even if they're this big, but. Absolutely. Yeah, I would echo that. Keep track of those emails that you get as a reply, you know, to your email renewal that talks about how much your members love the museum, because those will be helpful in the coming months when we reopen and you feel like you don't get those anymore. <laughs> and I would just say too, that like now nothing is too out there. This is a time when our members want to hear from us. We're all shifting positions. And I feel like even if you think like, eh, somebody's probably already thinking of that, maybe they're not and say it anyways. And just now is a good time to just really put it all out there. Absolutely. So a couple quick things uh, before everybody goes. First of all, we're doing these webinars for the community. What's the subject matter you want to see us cover? What do you want to hear us talk about? Email us. You can email hello at qzm.com. You can email me, dan at qzm.com. You can message us on our website, whatever you want to do. But uh, let us know what subjects you want heard. A couple quick things too. A recording of this webinar will be made available later today on the QZM website as well as a link to that shared Google document with the coronavirus resources and the community ideas. Keep an eye out for that. Um, also, thank you, Jennifer, Chelsea. You have both been great. Again, so many awesome insights. And just a reminder, QZM has two more awesome webinars this week. The first one is going to be Wednesday at 2 o'clock Eastern time. That's called Thinking Outside the Box to Reach Audiences Inside Their Homes. Again, that's Wednesday at 2 o'clock. Also, we all need to have a little bit of fun. This Friday, four o'clock will be our second Muse, Zoos, and Clues digital happy hour. So again, kick your shoes off, 
grab something refreshing and uh, come hang out just for a little bit of light, fun banter. Again, everybody stay safe, stay healthy. We hope you'll join us again next week on Monday, three o'clock Eastern for our next membership Monday. So thanks again, everybody for being here. Thank you again, panelists, Chelsea, Jennifer, and everybody stay safe.